This is Pastor Aaron at Oasis Baptist Church, and thank you for checking us out online. I pray that this message is an encouragement to you. Well, good morning. Hopefully I'll have a voice to finish out the morning. The last time I sang a couple songs, I got back from vacation, and I, about three-quarters of the way through the service, I was like, all right, man, I'm trying to get through. So... It is good to be in church this morning. Again, thank you so much for being here. We are going to continue in in the book of Nehemiah. If you're joining with us today for the first time, we're in Nehemiah chapter 9. We are going through the entire book of Nehemiah. We'll wrap it up in just a couple weeks uh, as we are going to do kind of a a kickoff into the fall, back to school, back to church type of a service uh, in about four or five weeks. And Uh, We'll start into a new series at that point, but Nehemiah chapter 9, if you were with us last week, can you remind me or remember yourselves, what was the theme of last week? You encouraged me, you encouraged me, that's all I can say. I even said it earlier, understanding scripture, man, that's good, um, Understanding Scripture. So we talked in chapter 8 and so much of that pastor Scripture was speaking directly to the thought that we must understand. And as we come into chapter number 9, really we're, we're coming into the same type of a thought. It, it's continuing the thought of understanding Scripture and it takes us to a different, a different place or a different action, I guess, if you will. And uh, if you recall going back, the, the children of Israel... They had all came back, the walls were built, they're all together, and they asked that uh, Ezra would come and would teach and would would open the Word of God to them. And as they did those things, and then they said at the end, in the middle end of that chapter, it said to go, uh, celebrate, eat and drink, and uh, do those things together, and commune together, and fellowship, and all of those things. And then it ended even further, where they were able to celebrate the feasts with one another. So they had a time of celebration. We come to the beginning of chapter number 9, and at very first verse it says, Now in the twenty and fourth day of this month, the children of Israel were assembled, and what were they doing? Fasting. And then it says, with sackcloths and earth upon them. So they had come to a place where they had 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 all this time of celebration. They were coming back together again, and they they were fasting together. The scriptures were being read. We'll see that again. And it says that they were, they had sackcloth on their head, and the earth was upon them. Now, if you've been in church or if you've known any of study of Scripture, you would know that that's a, that's a thing of mourning. The people were mourning. So wait, they just came from a moment of celebration and joy. And it says in that chapter 8 that they were rejoicing and all of those things. And now they're, they're mourning. What in the world? Why would they come to a place of, of mourning? And I believe with everything in me as I've studied this passage of Scripture and as I go through this, You will see that as the the people read and as they understood Scripture deeper and and in more depth, they began to recognize, they began to see their own sinfulness. This passage of Scripture is really a prayer that is a prayer of confession to the Lord. And as we come through this, we're going to look at this morning, the heart of confession is the title that I've, I've named it, but as we look at this, They began to see their sin in their lives. They began to see not just their own personal sin, but they began to look back at history and they began to see the times that the children of Israel, their fathers and their grandfathers, had had completely abandoned the things that God had called for them to do and, and what God had told them to do in seeking the face of God. And they had left all of those things 
And this morning as we look into this passage of Scripture, we're going to see that really the last week we, we kind of went from the beginning of the story of Nehemiah, which was really the story of Nehemiah leading the people to build a wall. And then last, the last couple weeks, there was Nehemiah had put leaders in place, and Nehemiah had then brought the people in, and then Nehemiah and, and Ezra, they began to lead through the Scriptures and lead through those things. And we come today to a place where it's no longer really about any of the things that we've talked about. It now centers and focuses strictly on God. Who is God? What has he done? What is he doing? But even if we were to take that a little bit deeper than that, what is it that we or they were to be doing in response to God? When God tugs on my heart, what is my response to that? For the children of Israel, what was their response to be to the tug on their heart as as they understood Scripture, as they were beginning to confess and do those things? A very very familiar pastor Scripture is one that we hear a lot, especially, uh, I hate saying it here, but in the United States of America, we have kind of clung to this Second Chronicles 7.14, If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. And especially amongst the church culture, what do we say? We need the, the, the Word of God needs to be back into America. Prayer needs to be back into America. All of those things are true. I'm not saying that they're not. But it starts here. And for them, it started with them. The children of Israel. Would they turn from their wickedness? They were the ones that God had called out to be the ones that would go out from there and share the gospel, to share the hope of of what was to come. And it starts the same with them as it does for us, that if my people, if we would just call out, if we would seek the face of God, if we would humble ourselves, if we would pray, if we would turn from our wickedness, then can I hear. Then He will do His part. So many times we, we like to say, God needs to be back in the schools. We like to say our culture and our country is a mess. We like to say, because those are great, great things. But the hard part about saying those things is the only way that that happens is how? It's us. They out there aren't changing it. The folks that don't know Jesus Christ as their Savior, they're not changing it. They're not taking it back to a place of Scripture. No, that comes from you and me. That's in my home that it starts. That's in your home that it starts. Men, that's you being men and leading your homes. That's you being who you're supposed to be at your workplace, in your neighborhood, and all those things. If we would just seek the face of God. And as we see this, they were living that right there. They were mourning. They had a heart of confession. And I would say today we're no different than where they were way back then. And that this, maybe you're differently than me, you're different than I am. But the children of Israel had seen an amazing, an amazing thing. Had they not? Think of some of the most amazing stories that you know in Scripture. They got to see those things. I don't know how many people have walked through the sea That three seconds ago, it was hundreds of feet of water, and now it's completely dry ground. The people that were trying to catch them, 
They didn't experience that, did they? Now they're at the bottom. How about walking and there's a light in the middle of the darkness that's leading you, just your group of people, to where you needed to go? The people around you couldn't see, but God gave you a specific light. Man, they got to see some amazing things, and that's just a couple things just off the top of my head. But they got to see a couple things that were awesome. Aldous Huxley said this, and I believe it's true for history. I believe it's true for our Christian lives. That men do not learn very much from the lessons of history is the most important of all the lessons that history has to teach. I forget so many times all that God has done in my Christian life. I forget it. Or I get to the point and I'm like, man, God has done this and God has done that. And I get a little, get up in my step. I'm a little more excited. Look, look at what God is doing. And then all of a sudden it quickly becomes to not look what God is doing, but look what I am doing. Look at all the things that I am accomplishing. Look at all these things. And then before long, you're like, oh man, God uh, I forgot that you were the one who allowed all of these things to happen. We forget history so incredibly quick. And this morning as we look at these thoughts, we look at the heart of confession. I've written down a couple different things here, but to build beyond ourselves, God must bring us to having a heart of confession. The, the series, the title of this uh, book study is Building Beyond Ourselves. And if we are to build beyond ourselves, if we are to go deeper than, than we really think, it has to start with a heart of confession. And when we are reminded daily of His greatness, we are humbled to admit our error and see His amazing grace. As we go into the passage of Scripture this morning in Nehemiah chapter 9, I want us to think of that, that little simple uh, statement there, that little simple uh, sentence. When we are reminded daily of His greatness, listen, when I dive into God's Word every single morning and I say, God, I'm here, I'm desiring to seek Your face, I want to know You more intimately, and as I do so, I see how amazing that He is. I see His greatness. And the more that I see His greatness, what do I see? How much I am not so great. And so as I see His greatness, I see my own error. But even in seeing my own error, I can look back and say, wow, my God is gracious. Because it's in my error that He still shows me love. In my sinfulness that He still shows me those things. So when we are reminded daily of His greatness, we are humbled to admit our error and we see His amazing grace. Nehemiah chapter 9 this morning, we're going to start, uh, I am not going to read the entire chapter uh, as far as out loud at this time, but we're going to start in the first few verses, and then I will get into the points this morning. So Nehemiah chapter 9, if you have your copy of God's Word, uh, is where we will be this morning. Now in the twenty and fourth day of this month, the children of Israel were assembled with fasting and with sackcloths and the earth upon them. And the seed of Israel separated themselves from all strangers and stood and confessed their sins and the iniquities of their fathers. And they stood up in their place and read in the book of the law of the Lord their God one fourth part of the day and another fourth part they confessed and worshipped the Lord their God. We're going to try that this morning. So for a fourth of the part of the day I'm just going to stand here and read. And then the other fourth of the part of the day we're just going to worship and confess. Are we good? Some of you are like, 
the doors are, that one's locked, you can't get out of that one, but uh, verse number four, then stood up upon the stairs of the Levites, Jeshua, and Bani, and Kadmiel, and Shebaniah, and Bani, Sherebiah, and Bani, there's all these names that are like Bunny and Bonnie and Banny and, and Shanani, and cried with a loud voice unto the Lord their God. Then the Levites, Yeshua, and Kadmiel, and Bani, Hash, Hashabniah, Sherebiah, Hodijah, Shebaniah, and Pethahiah, said, Stand up and bless the Lord your God forever and ever, and bless, blessed be thy glorious name, which is exalted above all blessing and praise. Thou, even Thou, art Lord alone. Thou hast made heaven and the heaven of heavens with all their host, the earth and all the things that are therein, the seas and all that is therein, and Thou preservest them all. And the host of heaven worshipeth Thee. Father, I pray that You would be with this morning. Bless Your Word. Lord, I pray that it would speak to our hearts today. For it's in Jesus' name. Amen. The first thought this morning is simple, it's His greatness. His greatness. The people had once again been seeking the face of God. They stood again and read the words of the law and they confessed their sins and the sins of their fathers and they did this for hours upon hours. It says again, one fourth part was reading, another fourth part was in worship and prayer and confession. And as we understand, as we look at these things and we begin to understand Scripture and the holy law that was, that was being taught, they begin to form a right foundation or a, a right understanding of sin. And it brings us to this place of confession. And what, one of the things I love that jumped right out at me was as we look at this, and it says in, uh, they were one, they were broken, they were humbled, they were, they were burdened, they were hurting, they were mourning there in verse number one. It says, and the seed of Israel separated themselves. So, so as they recognized, as they were understanding, as they were reading, they began to, con- they separated themselves. They, the children of Israel, separated themselves from those, because if you recall, when they came back to Israel, they all came inside the walls. Not every one of them was 100% of the Jewish lineage. And so they took those that were of the seed of, and they took and they separated themselves, and they began to do this thing. But as we look at this, it says they confessed their sins and their iniquities, and they stood in their place and read in the book of the law. And then it says in verse number 4, Then stood up upon the stairs of the Levites, And we begin to see here, it wasn't just the people of the culture that were just standing. The leaders began to stand in front of and began to say, hey, this is where I have failed. These are my confessing things. These are the things. And listen, and I think that we would all probably agree, if the leaders don't have any problem or they don't seem to have any problems, it really doesn't often trickle down in. And these people, the leaders came and they had a heart of confession and they had this heart that they would then uh, begin to to share and to to fall in, in, I I hate saying fall in line, but they would fall in line, so to speak, that they were themselves sharing and confessing the sins that they had. Again, as we confess, as we seek the face of God, we, we see His greatness. We see His greatness. And as we do those things, 
We see our own error. We see then the grace of God. I believe it's all tied together. The goal for you and I is is to live a life of penitence. Our, Our goal, our heart should be that we would live a life of penitence. If you're like, what is that big word? It's really not a big word. But it's that we would have great sorrow and regret over our sin. That our hearts would live in such a manner that we, are, we live with regret over our sinfulness. That we would have sorrow over our sinfulness. And I would say that it would be, we would take it one step further. It is one thing for me to say, hey, I'm really sorry. And then do it again. It's another thing altogether for me to be broken and to say that I am sorry and to say that I have shame and to say all of those things and to bow before. It is another thing to do that. It's another thing altogether than to turn and say, I am no longer going in that direction and have not just a penitent heart, but a repentant heart that I would change my direction. And these folks were living in such a manner in this moment that the word of God was, they were, it was piercing to them that they were desiring a change in their life, a change in their direction. Listen, that is salvation. It is that I am headed this way. Listen, I can, I'll share it in this regard. We will end in one of two places. There is an eternal heaven and there is an eternal hell. Every person that walks the face of the earth will live eternally one or the other. When you are born, you come into this earth as a person that is born in sin. And we are damned to an eternal lake of fire, to an eternal hell. And when we come to the place of recognition that there is nothing that I can do to change that direction i am full of sin i am doing wrong i am uh, all of those things and regardless of how much we give and regardless of how good of a person that we are regardless of all of those things until i recognize that i am not god and that i cannot create my own destiny for myself and until i say god i am a sinner I need, a, I need repentance. I need your saving grace. I need you to be the Lord of my life. And until I make that stop and say, God, would you come? Would you change me? Would you be the Savior? And I turn and say, God, you will now be the lead. You will be the light. I am now following you. Nothing changes. Eternally speaking, that is the path that I'm on. It is salvation. We ought to live, even as believers, with a repentant heart. Confession, listen, confession is a must. Confession is a must. 1 John 1, 8 and 9, if we say that we have no sin, what does it say? We deceive ourselves. Have you ever talked to somebody? I'm a pretty good person. What do they do? They're deceiving themselves. We deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. If we then confess our sins, what does it say? He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Confession and repentance truly come through as we have a greater understanding of God's word. To even think that God accepts and receives our worship. It's humbling. Have you ever just stopped and thought, wow, God wants to have a conversation with me. 
God wants to be a part of my life. God desires these things. If you sometimes it's humbling to think that the God Almighty desires that. And as we go through this passage of scripture, they begin to uh, they begin to go through this confessional thing. And then in verses six and seven, it it becomes a a time of worship. They begin to speak out how great that God is. In verse six, it gives us just a few of those reasons or those statements of God's greatness. God alone in the midst of an idolatrous region of the world, the children of Israel are reminded that he is God alone. There are to be no other gods before him. Think of it, how many, they, they were given the law, right? Thou shalt have no other gods before me. But yet, even in that, what did they do? <laughs> Moses, you've been up on that mountain a little bit too long, and I think this golden calf will do for right now, right? Our hearts are always seeking to worship something. Here we see that they said, what, God God alone, God is great. And it's, it's seen not only that, but it's in the creation. That He created the heaven. It says the heaven of heavens. In the beginning, God created, that is Jehovah God. No other God. We worship the Creator, Jehovah God. But even think about this. He didn't just create and step away. He didn't create and step away. He didn't create and leave. No, He created and He preserved. He created and He cared. He created and daily He manicures to this day. Daily He paints the sky. The way that the stars are sitting, He makes sure that it's perfect. Daily He does that. Daily the waters only go to... We understand that there's more water than there is earth, right? But yet it only comes to a certain point. God's greatness. He is the one who designs that way. He's amazing. And it says in this passage that it's a he created the seas and all that is therein. And he preserves them all. It says the hosts of heaven and the heaven of heavens. Daily he sets the sun. Daily he sets the moon. He sees when a sparrow falls. How many of you could care less if one of those pigeons never came back to your house again? He sees when they fall. He sees when they fall. Oh, he doesn't care about the the pigeon. Sorry. It's only the sparrow. Never mind. Never mind. But he hears the ravens cry. He knows the number of stars. And one of the songs that was sung this morning, it makes reference to that, the stars and the numbers. But it says what? That He named them. He didn't just say that there's 800 quadrillion whatever stars that are out there. No, it says that He named them. He didn't just create it. He preserves it. He cares for it. He knows how many grains of sand are in the ocean. And he desires that relationship with you and with me. He desires that. The hosts worship him. And think about this the hosts worship him, but yet you and I, if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, are greater than they. For we are his children. We will one day be like Him. They will not. 
We have been saved by the grace of God. They have not. We are not just servants, but His children dwelling with Him forever. 1 John 3 and 2 verses 3, I don't believe it's on the screens, but it says, Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear that we shall be. But we know that when He shall appear, we shall be like Him. For He, or for we shall see Him as He is. And every man that hath this hope in Him purifieth himself even as He is pure. Man, we have a hope. We will be like Him. This morning, let me just remind you, God is not just great because you live in the United States of America. God is not just great because you wear something that may be a fancy clothing. You don't drive because you drive a nice car. Because when you prayed for a job, He gave you a job. Because when you asked for his health, your health to get better, your health became better. God is not great because of all of those things. God is great because God is great. God is great because He is the King of kings God is great not because of the things that we receive out of his graciousness and his mercy God is great because he is great not because of what I get as a benefit listen there's children all across the country that wish they had one toy let alone two rooms of toys so when I provide for my children toys I am not a great father because I provide toys for them. I hope to be a great father because I love them and I care for them and I nurture them and I share scripture with them and I teach them. The benefit of being my child is some of the toys and the things that come with it. Do you follow? Some of your kids have more toys than my kids have. So the benefit of being your child is more. <laughs> But more doesn't mean better. We understand. If we were to lose everything, I hope that I would still be a great parent to my child. Because the things don't make me great. The things don't make God great. <laughs> the things don't make God great. God is great. Listen, in the passing of your father, Dennis, God is great. Regardless, why? Because your father came to know Jesus Christ several months ago and he is now great and he is sitting and he is bowing at the feet of Jesus. Pat Shahan is battling cancer. Listen, God is great because he can heal, but God is great because eternally she will be like him. Not because he did or didn't heal. There was people in the Bible that God healed and what did he say? He didn't heal them and make them whole, spiritually speaking. Do we follow? God is great. When we are reminded of His greatness, we are humbled to admit our error. The second thought is my error. And seeing His greatness, we begin more easily to see our error. For sake of time, I'm not going to go deep into some of these thoughts, but here's a simple thing just to wrap your mind around and whatever it is that you do. Everybody in this room does something and they do it because they enjoy it. I've always said, I always share stories of baseball or sports or whatever it is. I love baseball. But listen, the longer that I played baseball, the more that I would see somebody that was better than me and realize my own fault. 
right? So the older that I got, the more I became to understand my dream was always professional baseball player. Always. Even into high school, my goal, my dream, I wanted to be better so that I could go to college. And if I got to college, surely somebody could see that I was faster than that guy, that I could do this or whatever it would be. However, the older that I got, and I played against guys that got drafted, I was on teams with guys that got drafted and played in the bigs. Listen, there was a difference between them and me. There was. I I would love to say that I was the greatest ball player to ever come out of Marlington High School where I went to school, but I wasn't. I wasn't. I was a good ball player. But every time I would come up against some of those guys, I would go, wow, they've got it. Because when they throw it, it came off their fingers a little bit different than it did every other person that was out there. And when they swung that bat and they hit it, the ball jumped off the bat. It was different. There's a big difference from whoever you like in the NFL who throws a football and the guy that just got cut by that same team. Or the guy that played four years of Division I college football that never even got looked at. Because there's a difference. And when we come across greatness, we see our flaws. As an athlete, I would see my flaws because they were better. And that's in every walk of life. If you work in an office, if you're a secretary, if you're a professional, if you own a business, if you own a business in here and you go to any other place that does exactly what you do, do you just walk in and do like you go anywhere else? No, you look at them and you strategically think about, okay, what are they doing and why are they doing it? Listen, when I go to church when I'm on vacation, I can't just go to church and sit. You know what I do? I look at the bulletin. I look at how they do this. I look at how they're dressed. I look at how their microphone is. I think of how the screens are. And I love it when I go to a large church and they mess up the screens. You know why? Because I go, awesome, we do it too. <laughs> why do we do those things? When, when we, we want to be better. And in our Christian lives and as we look at all these things, when we look at greatness, we see the error in ourselves. And when we look and understand the Word of God, we see our error. God is pure and holy and righteous, and I am not. Regardless of how great I think I am, I'm not. I'm not. God is great. Why do we need the people to hold us accountable in our lives for that reason? Because I want to be better. I want to strive to seek to know Him better. And as I understand Scripture, I recognize my error. I recognize my sinfulness. I recognize that I must confess and seek Him to make right. And it's not just something that I did one time. It's something that happens every single moment of the day. I am constantly seeking the face of God is how we should be. We should probably really just live crawling on our face and saying, God, I just blew it. God, that guy just walked by and I made fun of his pants. God, right? Maybe you're better than me. I'm sorry, but you've, you got a bad pastor, I guess. I, you live in Las Vegas. There's no better people watching in all of the world than where you live. 
Walmart, she says. <laughs> that's everywhere. But that's a constant, it's when I think wrong, God forgive me, I just thought that. It's not just when I've done something big and bad, it's when I think wrong. Children of Israel, they were confessing, and they began, as they were confessing, it began to remind them of all of the things. They began to look back through history, and I'm not reading all of this, but I, I really strongly encourage you, this week, read through this entire chapter of Scripture. This is probably about three to four weeks worth of sermon right here. Like, just chapter number nine. And as we go through this, it starts in about verse number seven, and it begins to say, Thou art the Lord, the God who didst choose, he choose, uh, who didst choose Abram and broughtest him forth out of Ur. And it says what? And gave us him the name of Abraham, and found us his heart faithful. And as you go down, and didst see the affliction of the fathers of Egypt, and heard us their cry by the Red Sea, and show us them signs and wonders. And we go through all of those things. It begins to show forth the things that they had seen with their eyes that God had done for them that they had forgot about. They just forgot. He began to reveal all of these things. He restored Abram to Abraham. He gave them a land in verse number 8. He parted the seas to bring them out of bondage in 11. He gave them the law in verse 13. The spirit to instruct them in verse 20. He gave them deliverance in 27. Victory in 22 and 24. God had done a lot of things for them. Deuteronomy 8, it says this, And all the commandments which I command thee this day shall ye observe to do that ye may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers, and thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these forty years in the wilderness to humble thee and approve thee to know what was in thine heart. And what does it say? Whether thou wouldest keep his commandments or no. Listen, you are to observe these things. And we were, if you were to go through all of Deuteronomy 8, you would see that. Obviously, they didn't do that. They didn't keep His commandments. They didn't continue to give thanks the way that they were told to. They didn't do all of those things. Instead, they cried out. They complained. They got to the other side where all of the people died in the middle of the Red Sea. They get to the other side. They build an altar. They worship God. They thank God. And 16 seconds later, they're like, God, what in the world are you doing? Why did you bring me here? Hello? That's me. <laughs> right? How often we do those things. If you're to continue to go through this. They responded poorly. 16 says, But they and our fathers dealt proudly and hardened their necks and hardened not to thy commandments and refused to obey. Neither were mindful of thy wonders that thou didst among them, but hardened their necks. And in their rebellion, appointed a captain to return to their bondage. But thou art a God ready to pardon, gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness. They look at this and they, they saw all those things and we chose not to do this. But then it goes back and it says, but thou art a gracious God. Because just as soon as they said, why would you do this to me? They begin to fall. They begin to do those things. And then what do they do? They turn back to God. And where was God? God had left them? No. God said, here you go. Just like our lives. Just like our lives. When we see our error, we turn back to him. And it goes on. 
As we continue to read, uh, He didn't forsake them in the wilderness. No, He gave them a pillar of cloud and uh, fire by night to guide them. The Word was taught and uh, given to them. They were given manna and victory. God is faithful always, and we receive the blessing of that in our obedience. But know that always God's purpose will be fulfilled. Verses 23 through 30, they multiplied His people. He gave them land, not just any land. Even after they had messed up many, many times, He gave them land. Hey, go have this. If I'm just going to give you land after you've been a jerk to me, I'm going to be like, hey, there's a big patch of desert out there. There's no water. There's nothing there. But go ahead and have a good time. No, God didn't give them that. God gave them the fat, the, the fat and fertile land that was nourished and that was everything that they needed. God will give And give, He is merciful, He will forgive, He will be gracious. But there does come a time when He stops and He will get your attention. In 27, it happens. They turned their back again and He shows them mercy yet again. But yet in verse 28, But after they had rest, they did evil again before thee. Therefore, leftest thou them in the hand of their enemies so that they had the dominion over them. Yet when they returned and cried unto thee, thou hardest, thou hurtest them from heaven, and many times didst thou deliver them according to thy mercies. 29, and testified against them that thou mightest bring them again unto the law. And he goes on, and hearken not unto thy commandments, but sinned against thy judgments. And he goes on, and it says that their hearts were hardened, that he did not hear them for that time. This morning, it's one thing to delight in the goodness of God. It is a whole other fulfilling plan when we delight in God. Again, it's one thing if we delight in the goodness of God. It is another thing when we delight in God. He desires that we would delight in Him and not in His goodness. This morning, would we fall before God as we understand, as we confess, as we see His greatness As I see the greatness of God, all that He's designed, all that He created, all that He has done for salvation, for and the list goes on and on and on and on. As I see His greatness, would I see that, understand it, and see my own error, and fall on my face before God, and recognize how much I need an Almighty God? And as I do that, the last point this morning, I will see His amazing grace. I would see His amazing grace. Verse 31, it says, Nevertheless, for Thy great mercy's sake, Thou didst not utterly consume them, nor forsake them, for Thou art a gracious and a merciful God. Now therefore, in 32, Our God, the great, the mighty, and terrible God, who keepest covenant and mercy, let not all the trouble seem little before Thee that thou, that hath come upon us, on our kings, on our princes, and on our priests, and on our prophets, and on our fathers, and on all thy people since the time of the kings of Assyria unto this day. Howbeit thou art just in all that is brought upon us, for thou hast done right, but we have done wickedly. They say, God, you've done, we have, we have done everything, but yet you're merciful. God, we have done everything. You are just to do anything to us, but yet you've chosen God's amazing grace. The children came to see their faults. They saw their wickedness. They came to see the greatness 
of their God, the only true God. They were completely and utterly broken, not because of a wall. They, weren't, they, they had joy because of that. They saw all those things, but they, the reading and the teaching of Scripture changed them. Changed them. I would say this morning, does He not do the same exact thing for you? I would challenge you this week. What if you just went home today, this week, at some point, jot it down in your to-do list of whatever it is, and to say, go back where God saved you. Go back to a place where God miraculously saved you. Because if you know Christ as Savior, it is a miracle. Go back there. Maybe go back before you came to know Christ and how God brought you to a place where somebody would show you the love of God. And jot down some of those things. The children of Israel in this passage of Scripture, they, they did what? They went through how good God was. They went through their own faults. They went through back to God's mercy and God's, God's grace. And then they went back to their faults. It's humbling if you were to just stop for a, a short time and begin to write down some of the things that God has done. So many times, so many times we live off the blessings of maybe our parents, the blessings of something that happened a year ago, two years ago, five years ago. Listen, I encourage you, I implore you, I beg you to seek the face of God, to understand His Scriptures. As you do so, you will see how great and how awesome that He is. And as you see how great and how awesome God is, you will begin to see your own air. And as you receive, or as you see your own air, you will truly recognize the grace of God. This morning, I don't know if you know Christ as your Lord and Savior. I would ask you that question. Have you, have you came to a place where you've given Him your life? Where you've seen His grace through and through. Believer, I would ask you this. Are you kind of hardened to the grace that God gives to you? Is it old? Coming to sit through a service, it's just, ah, just another. You know what, I'm a little tired this morning. I'm not going to get up. I'm too busy. I've got too many things going on, whatever it would be. We've just gotten bored with all of the things that God's given to us. I'll be honest. I would raise my hand that there's those moments. There are. There's moments that I got to walk through the Red Sea. And I got to the other side, and God, thank you so much. God, you are so good. And within the blink of an eye, I'm saying, God, why did you do that? Why would you do that? And I forget His greatness. I forget that I'm the one that's in, in error, not him. And when I do that, I, I forget his grace. I forget his grace. Man, if I was God and I did what I do to him, I would be like, zzz, psh, gone. Psh, psh. Right? And that guy made me mad. Psh. The light on Gibson by the hospital. Psh. But we so often forget all of those little things. 
this morning, would we just be reminded of God's greatness that brings forth to our mind our air, our sinfulness, and God's amazing grace. Every head bowed, every eye closed this morning. Again, thank you for checking us out online. If you have never been to one of our services, it would be such an honor to have you as one of our guests. If you have made any decision today, our staff would love to celebrate with you. Would you please email us at info at oasislv.church.